Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thanks for the Lyrics, a weekly deep dive podcast into a single lyric from, guess you guessed it, single follow boy song. Ha ha! All right, I am Tracy, but I'm no wave. I'm, I was, I'm crashing. I, I'm sorry, I'm just crashing, guys. I, uh, <laughs> I'm Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Yay! <laughs> Good job. <laughs> This is only a two-parter title. There there wasn't anything for the, the third person, so I just you, have to be me. You could be the comma. I'm the comma. Yeah. So this song is called You're Crashing, But You're No Wave. So that's fun. It's a good little insult. Yeah. So really, there's a lot of uh, real-life stuff about this song so it's kind of about the whole song for the purposes of this podcast we're going to say as our lyric is the headline reads the man hangs but the jury doesn't are there any content warnings that we need for this episode um murder that's a good call um uh uh arson racism and uh fall uh incarceration possibly under false uh uh, like a wrongful incarceration, probably. Yeah. So we're going to journey back to the 60s, and we're going to talk about um, Fred Hampton, who was one of the leaders of the Black Panther Party. Okay. He was a gifted organizer. Uh, he lived in Chicago. So follow up boy. We'll get to, there's more of a follow up boy connection than that, but it makes sense that they talked about him and his son um, because of the Chicago connection as well. So he was a gifted organizer. Uh, he had quickly risen in the in the ranks of the Black Panther Party. Uh, in 1968, I got all this from a couple of sources: uh, Wikipedia about Fred Hampton, Wikipedia about Fred Hampton Jr., a uh, Chicago Tribune article, a uh, thespark.net article, and a Chicago Reader article. Also, an interview with Pete from Rolling Stone, which we'll get to yet later. I can give all those uh, links to Tracy if you want to look into it more. In 1968, he was on the verge of creating a merger between the Black Panther Party and a South Side street gang with thousands of members, which would have doubled the size of the National Black Panther Party. In November of 1969, he went to California to meet with the National Black Panther Party at UCLA. They offered him a position on the Central Committee as the Chief of Staff and asked him to serve as the national spokesman for them. Uh, while he was out of town, two Chicago police officers were fatally shot in a gun battle with the Panthers on the night of November 13th, and one died the next day. A total of nine police officers were shot, and then uh, so another Panther um, was charged with murder. And then there was an unsigned editorial in the Chicago Tribune called No Quarter for Wild Beasts, which urged Chicago police officers approaching suspected Panthers should be ordered to be ready to shoot. So that's that's cool. <sighs> so then the FBI got involved, uh, and we'll, we'll see how involved in a second, but they determined they wanted to prevent any enhancement of the Black Panther Party's uh, effectiveness. So they decided to set, him a, a, set up an armed raid on Fred Hampton's uh, Chicago apartment. Uh, there was an informant in Fred Hampton's group named William O'Neill who provided them with detailed information about his apartment, including like how the layout of the furniture and like where the bedroom was and stuff. And so then a 14-man uh, team of the SAO, which stands for Special Prosecutions Unit, which doesn't make a lot of sense, so I'm not really sure, uh, they were going to do a raid at pre-dawn. So they had a warrant for uh, search for illegal weapons. 
So on December 3rd, 1969, uh, Fred Hampton had uh, taught a political education course at a local church, which was attended by most of the members of his group. Uh, afterward, as was typical, they went to his apartment to spend the night. They were met by O'Neill, who had prepared a late dinner, which the group ate around midnight, not knowing that O'Neill had slipped secobarbital, which is a barbiturate, into a drink that uh, Hampton was having at dinner in order to sedate him so that he wouldn't like be able to sort of get up during the raid. So then he left at about 1.30, um, and Hampton was on the phone with his mom when he fell asleep mid-sentence because of the you know drugs kicking in. He wasn't really known to take drugs. Um, and later, a Cook County chemist named Eleanor Berman um, ran two tests where she found evidence of barbiturates in his blood. And then an FBI chemist uh, ran tests and uh, failed to find uh, traces of it. So that's probably not suspicious. No, definitely not. <laughs> so the, uh, the raid was organized by the state's attorney, um, Edward Hanrahan, using officers attached to his office. He had recently been... Uh, criticized by Fred Hampton, who said that Hanrahan's talk about a, quote, war on gangs was really rhetoric used to enable him to carry out a war on black youth. At Right, which is, you know, all of this right. is also yeah, very accurate. not changed. So that's that's cool, too. Right. Um, yeah. Right. It's, it's just the same right. situation, different exactly. people. Um, at, and remember, this is like 50 years ago. So like, Right. Uh, at 4 a.m., the heavily armed police team arrived at the site, divided into two teams, eight for the front of the building and six for the rear. At 4.45, they stormed into the apartment. Uh, Mark Clark, who was one of the group, uh, was sitting in the front room of the apartment with a shotgun on his lap and was on security duty. The police shot him in the chest, killing him instant instantly. An alternative account said that Clark answered the door and police immediately shot him. Either way, his gun discharged once into the ceiling, the single round was fired when he suffered a reflexive death convulsion after being shot. This was the only shot fired by the Panthers. So Fred Hampton uh, was sleeping in a barbiturate sleep with his uh, fiancée, Deborah Johnson, who was nine months pregnant with their, son, with their child. Um, she got pulled out of the bedroom and sort of tossed into the kitchen, which is cool. While he was on, unconscious on the bed, the raiding team fired at the head of the south bedroom shooting him in the shoulder, and then um, a guy named Harold Bell, who was a, a Black Panther, said he heard the following exchange, that's Fred Hampton. Is he dead? Bring him out. He's barely alive. He'll make it. The injured Panthers said they heard two shots. According to Hampton's supporters, the shots were fired point blank at Hampton's head. According to Deborah Johnson, an officer then said, he's good and dead now. Yikes. Jesus Christ. So then, there was a break-in at the FBI office in Pennsylvania, and they found out about this thing called Pro which is a counterintelligence program, which was illegal. And it was basically a list of, like, people that were da dangerous, so black, and activists, basically. Um, so that was revealed and reported, mm -hmm. and uh, many activists began to suspect that the shooting of Fred Hampton was done under this program. One okay. of the documents released after the break-in was, was the floor plan of his apartment, and another document outlined a deal that the FBI had brokered with um, the U.S. Deputy Attorney General, General to conceal the FBI's role in his killing and the existence of Pro. So then we go to the courts. There's a federal grand jury that didn't return any indictment against the numerous individuals involved with the planning or execution of the raid, including the officers involved in killing Hampton. FBI informant William O'Neill, who had given the FBI the floor plan of the apartment and drugged Hampton, later admitted his involvement in setting up the raid. They went back and forth through like the rest of 70 and 71 and eventually there was like an inquest and there was a whole thing where they had this this jury filled with people that were like 
um, medical experts and attorneys and stuff. And then they put some black people on it because, like, I guess I don't know why they didn't do that at first. Oh, racism, right. I forgot. And this whole thing that went back and forth, like, did he do it? Did he, didn't he, like, was he killed in a manner that was, like, justified? Or was he killed in a manner that was fucked up, I guess, is the two different sides. And they went back and forth. Let me guess. They justified uh, Yeah, pretty much it went down in history as yeah. pretty much justified. Um, was the justification he was black? Uh, not officially. Um, okay. So then, four weeks after his death, uh, Deborah Johnson gave birth to their son, Fred Hampton Jr. He came up in the Chicago Public and Catholic Schools, graduating from Tilden High and studying German- journalism intermittently at Olive Harvey College. In the late 80s, he worked part-time as an auto mechanic and served as an NPDUM organizer. We'll find out what that is in a second. Speaking at rallies and hawking hawking copies of the African Socialist Party's newspaper, The Burning Spear. On the south side, he helped to organize protests against a wine cooler marketed specifically to the black community. The NPDUM is the National People's Democratic Uhuru Movement, which is an interracial organization dedicated to self-determination for African Americans. And uh, Fred Hampton's mom serves as the national president. Um, okay. They're affiliated with the African People's Socialist Party, a radical organization chaired by Omali Yeshitela. Among the points in the Socialist Party's platform are the assertions that black people should be exempt from U.S. government taxes because, according to the party, black people have no real or meaningful authority within the U.S. government and U.S. taxation of African people is therefore taxation without representation. The platform also calls for the immediate and unconditional release of all black people who are, cur- or who are presently locked down in U.S. prisons, the immediate withdrawal of police from black communities, the payment of reparations to Africans, and the right to build an African People's Liberation Army. So they are, you know, they have their, their but they're not a violent organization. Like, they're, they help mm-hmm. out in the community and they organize whatever. Right. So basically Hampton and his mom um, say that there's still counterinsurgency going on with the FBI that never stopped after the 60s. He's, uh, there was an assassination attempt on Fred Hampton Jr. when an unidentified individual in a van chased him down the street and tried to gun him down. And then there was a trial in 1992, I think, where he uh, was on trial for armed robbery and murder. And he and his mom uh, say he was framed. Um, and then they maintain they heard a member of the prosecution team shout after the not guilty verdict, Fred Hampton, we'll get you yet. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. Then he said, uh, I'm clear that I've been targeted. I am a victim of count- continued counterinsurgency. A lot of people think counterinsurgency was solved in 1972. I was targeted since I was born. Still, in the eyes of the state, being the son of Fred Hampton is a crime. Here's where we get to the trial that they're talking about in this Fall Out Boy pop punk song. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so so this, this is all based in Chicago, This is right? all in Chicago. Exactly. Okay. So um, basically... On May 9th, 1992, some Molotov cocktails were thrown into, which is, by the way, during the Rodney King uh, riots, the riots based on the acquittal of the police officers caught on tape beating Rodney King. Yes. Yeah. Um, so someone tossed uh, some Molotov cocktails into Lee's Men's Fashion and MJM Jewelry, two Korean businesses near 63rd and Halstead, to protest the Rodney King verdict 10 days earlier. Two people said that Fred Jr. was at the scene of the crime. Fred Jr. says he was at home all day. Photographs were produced at the trial showing his hands with blisters on them, um, which he maintained were abrasions he got from working on a car because he was an auto mechanic. Mm-hmm. No one was injured in the fires, and there was little damage to the stores. Nevertheless, the charge was aggravated arson, a Class X felony that calls for a sentence of 6 to 30 years. 
Circuit Court Judge Michael Tooman split the difference, giving Hampton 18 years, calling the crime an act of terrorism and the act of a coward. His mom says this, and I think this is the best defense of him, um, because basically at the trial, he... It sounds like his defense team um, sucked in my, you know, impressive legal expertise. From what I read, they were just... They really just beefed it big. So he was sort of inarticulate in answering the prosecution's questions and... The legal team was sort of like, but there's a conspiracy, see, because of Fred Hampton, huh? Yeah. And so, anyways, his mom says this. It's a bogus charge. Nothing ignited, and there was no physical damage to personal property. I'm going by what the state acknowledged. They brought in these bottles with flammatory device, with a flammatory device and some black-eyed peas, which were in the Molotov cocktail. So that's like a racial thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Saying, like, basically they were saying, like, a black person would put black-eyed peas in there because black people, I guess? Yeah. Um, she says, now, I don't know what that means, It's a, if it's a racial slur or what. You know, it and is. they say that Fred was <laughs> cas- casually walking down 63rd and Halstead on a Saturday afternoon, casually throwing them in the stores the day before Mother's Day. The stores were open <laughs> 10 to 15 minutes after this so-called incident happened. Where was the fire? Who was injured? Nobody. And if, even if he did it, 18 years 18 years we maintain fred didn't do it the attack started before he even came into the world and they were determined to lock him up for some knock him up on something this one just happened to stick so now we go to the q a that uh, pete did with rolling stone in some at some point um which is wild because at one point the guy asks i saw you guys a couple of years ago and you sucked do you still suck and I don't wow. know if that was the author being provocative or what, but Pete was like, we got better because we're a band or something. But I'm like, wow, what a crappy way to have an interview. Anyways, before that happens, wow. the author says, what lyric from Infinity on High are you most proud of? He says, at this moment, it's in your crashing, but you're no wave, which Rolling Stone has a comma there. Just uh, just saying. Okay. I used to work with this volunteer legal organization in Chicago called Uhuru, so the and the thing that I said before, the NBDUM. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we worked on the case for Fred Hampton Jr. And then Rolling Stone says, many believe that Hampton, the son of a Black Panther, was wrongfully convicted of arson in 1983. The song is a courtroom narrative, and it's so different from anything else we've done. I like the line, the headline reads, the man hangs, but the jury doesn't. Um, and then sort of as an epilogue, uh, Fred Hampton, There, so one of the things I have is a, um, a thing for the, um, Fred Hampton's Jr.'s appeal for clemency, which was uh, posted on this the Spark.net website in April of 2001, and I believe he was acqui- he he was released uh, he was paroled on September 14th, 2001. So I don't know if that had any if like you know his appeal for clemency was bolstered by this very thing, or if they got clemency because it had been eight years, and that's probably enough. Yeah. Um. But so he got out in uh, 2001. Um, he's, he's in Dave, uh, Dave Chappelle's block party. Lots of people have written, um, uh, songs about him and he worked as a consultant on the film Judas and the Black Messiah, which is a biopic about his dad, which comes out next year. Oh, cool. Oh, sweet. So that's the story of the trial that is depicted here. Um, some liberties taken, uh, he didn't hang. He just went to jail for there's a play on hung jury and like, you know, hanging, right. whatever. But yeah. Yeah. But basically what is said in this is true. And that baffled me because 
I guess I was sort of thinking of songs on the first Panic of the Disco album, which are narratives that feel really real, but are fictional still. This felt like right. that, and it never occurred to me that it was about a real thing. Because as Pete said, like that's not really what they made their bones oh, in. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really cool. It sort of takes us back to like his early sort of hardcore straight edge days of like his earlier more like political bands like Race Trader and what's the other one? Arc Angels? What is it? Something like Arc- that. I don't know. Arcanus Angelus or something like that. Anyways, so um, that is the story. I just want to say um, that, well, piece of trivia. I think Jay-Z was born on the day that Fred Hampton died. He claims it in a, in a rap, but his birthday is December 4th, so I think that's true. And there's a Jay-Z connection to this album. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. Um, on a more serious note, I'm just a white guy. I don't know anything specifically about this case. I Googled some. I Wikipedia'd some. I'm not claiming to be an expert. I just it, I think it's information that should be out there. I didn't know about this case mm-hmm. until I started looking it up. Yeah. Um, I think it's good for... I wish it had been more publicized as this song is about this, so look into it. Like, Rage Against the Machine and, like, uh, Rise Against and stuff put, like, reading materials and stuff in their album liner, oh, lyrics, okay. liner notes. Oh, that's... I didn't know um, that. That's awesome. Yeah. And that is something that they could have done. I don't... Actually, I don't know if they did. They could have done something in the liner notes with it. I'm willing to bet that if they had released this song now, mm-hmm. they would have. Right. It's a weird time to have released it too because it was yeah. 2000. This is 2007. So it's six years after he was released. 15 mm-hmm. years. I suppose 15 years after he was. It was six, 14 years after he was convicted. I don't know. When did but, Pete you know, work? Well, something that Pete really cared about. So yeah, he was absolutely. at a point Pete, where he could it, it really is something that Pete it, yeah. worked with the group that. Fred Hampton Jr.'s mom is the head of, and yeah. Fred Hampton Jr. worked too. Right, like, but it would have it it couldn't have been like around the time of the trial. No, because Pete would no, have been Pete would have been like fourteen. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically he could have been, you know, <laughs> here's but living in Chicago at the time, like that's where they grew yeah, up. Right. That's where this was happening. Yeah. He probably heard. Well, you know, it was probably the talk of the town, and and working with the group, he probably heard stories. Time. Yeah, all over the place about right. about the, the details right. of it and stuff. Yeah, I'm but, sure that really stuck with him. Yeah, yeah. so you know. I mean, go do some more research. Go go read some. Um, there's a movie from 1971 called The Murder of Fred Hampton, um, which I I thought was supposed to be like a good fair thing. I read something that was like um, a more militant, um, harsh movie. I don't know. There's lots of stuff you can look up. I am please don't stop with the thanks for the lyrics take on the fred hampton jr trial or the murder of fred hampton right. senior that is not what you should do yeah <laughs> but uh should we move on to social media yes yeah okay we're on twitter as a podcast at thanks for the lyrics pod but with the vowels removed um we're individually on twitter i am at unabashed james and i'm on twitter at adeels warlock and i am at unabashedly aaron we are on uh we are proud members of the scavengers network um and they can be found on Twitter at scavengersnet. Um, you can visit the website, scavengersnetwork.com. Um, you can watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash thescavengersnetwork. So that's, I think, it. Racism fucking sucks, and mm-hmm. police have too much power. Hey, Fall Up Boy, thanks for the lyrics. 
The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.